Okay, we're going to go ahead and start because I know we're rather uh, strict on time here and we want to keep things moving along. A couple of years ago, I would have said with the alternative finance panel following on the heels of the traditional banking panel, now for something completely different, uh, but maybe it's not so different from traditional bank lending. Let's, uh, let's talk with our panelists and find out that among other things. Uh, I'm going to start things off by asking each of our panelists to introduce themselves and to tell a little bit about their companies. And I'll get things started. My name is Jane Sarma, and I'm a partner with Reed Smith in the shipping group in the New York office. Uh, James? Uh, my name is James Lightborn. I'm a senior associate with Alterna Capital Partners. Uh, we are traditionally a private equity company that has uh, recently made the transition from owning vessels to lending against them. Great. Morton? Uh, Morton Arnson, and I'm, my role is senior shipping industry advisor to Macquarie Bank. Macquarie Bank's Australian bank. It's the world's largest infrastructure bank. It never was involved in ship financing before. It concluded with so many banks leaving the industry and so much money that this is probably the best time in 40 years to enter the ship finance market. And uh, that is what we're doing and looking forward to uh, meeting potential customers here today. Uh, Nick? Uh, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Nick Roos. Um, I'm Managing Director at Maritime Asset Partners based in London. Um, we are a non-bank lender um, uh, looking to participate uh, across the, uh, the, the whole of the maritime sector. Um, we're relatively new on the block, uh, 12 months out of the gate, um, but, uh, but uh, looking to build our portfolio. Okay, great. Marius? Yeah, I'm uh, Marius Magelli. I'm a senior vice president at Oceanield. Uh, our company is a maritime leasing company. Uh, we started up in 2012 with three vessels and have experienced rapid growth. We now own a fleet of 51 vessels. Uh, we are listed on the Oslo Stock Exchange. We have a market cap of about $1.4 billion, but we also have a quotation of our shares here in the US at OTCQX. Our chart backlog is $3.6 billion, an average duration of 11.5 years, so this gives a strong visibility on our cash flows. Um, we have a strong ambition to grow this company into a much larger company. We have a target uh, investment target of $350 million per annum, uh, but we've done nearly 500, billion sin or 500 million since the startup. We are a dividend yield company, and we have raised and paid quarterly dividends every, or every single quarter since the IPO back in 2013, and the current dividend yield now is 8.4%. Okay, great, thank you. Uh, one thing I should note, we'll save a little time for questions at the end, but it's always much more interesting to have a conversation than a lecture, so if anyone has any questions throughout the, the panel presentation, please catch my eye and, and we'd love to, uh, to open the chat up to everyone. Um, now, I'm going to start things off by say, asking what you're looking for in a deal, what's your sweet spot in the market? And if you tell me only enormous rates and zero risk, I'm going to ask you for a little more detail than that. So uh, who would like to kick things off? Uh, sure. I think uh, we're in the market to provide a, uh, a, what essentially is a flexible uh, bridge financing to, to owners who have found themselves uh, on the sort of the wrong end of uh, the, their bankers' call and do not call lists. Uh, there's obviously, we, we heard a lot about the addressable market share there, and, and we're trying to fill that void. I don't do a very vanilla senior secured loan product, uh, no equity kickers, no profit shares, 
we're here when you need us. We'll be out of your hair when you don't want us anymore. Great. Martin? Uh, McCorry's is a very uh, traditional first mortgage financing, 40 to 60% advance rates, depending upon the age of the vessel and the employment. Uh, no black box. Uh, obviously, prefer to deal with good counterparts. Um, and pricing that is higher than the traditional uh, ship financing banks have been giving, but less than most of the alternatives. So pricing that still works for what shipping can generate in cash. Nick? Uh, yeah, MAP's capital is, well, it's very flexible. Um, we're interested in transactions everywhere from uh, the first Lian deals that, that Morton is um, talking about um, through to higher um, LTVs. We will look at subordinated debt, um, the equity, uh, lease equity in uh, cell leasebacks, uh, generally bare boat structures. Um, through to structured equity um, transactions. And um, we, in terms of a sweet spot, um, I, I guess that, that we, will, uh, we will find more opportunities perhaps in some of the older vessels. Um, <clears throat> our, our capital is, fair to say, more expensive than, uh, than the traditional bank lenders. Um, and, uh, and so we're looking to work with those lenders who are coming, uh, coming back, to, uh, back to the market, um, leverage those transactions um, uh, with, uh, with equity from uh, owners and operators. Uh, uh, and so with those, uh, with those older vessels, you've got a lower break-even um, to the market, uh, and that allows our capital to work. We can be very flexible on repayment profiles, um, uh, again, in order to, to provide cash flow benefits into um, borrowers and, uh, and operators um, uh, across the board. Well, I think our strategy is quite clear. Uh, we, want, we look for very modern assets. Uh, we have 51 fleet or 51 vessels, and our average age is about two years. We want fairly good counterparties. Uh, I think our, uh, with the challenging market in the shipping and our service industry in the past years, I think our, our uh, business case has proven quite robust. And we want uh, fairly long-term charters. We look for charters between uh, 10 and 15 years, and that's important for us because we need to pay have visibility on the cash flows for us to pay dividends to our shareholders. I think where we really, our sweet spot comes to modern vessels or new buildings where uh, ship owners have less time because we can move very, very quickly and help our clients grow. I think in some of the recent transactions we've done, we're able to complete the full set of documentation in less than one week. So I think when it comes to speed, when it comes to uh, helping our clients grow, I think that's where we really can help our clients. Okay. Marius, do you see your company as in competition with traditional bank lenders or more as a complementary type of financing? Uh, we're not in a competition with the banks at all. Um, when we acquire a vessel, we go to the banks as well, so we need to finance that. And uh, so we are, a lot of our deals has also come from the banks that want to help us grow. And I think the banks like this business model that we, uh, that we provide because number one, they can either choose to lend directly to the clients or indirectly to that client through us. But through us, they get, number one, they get mortgage in the vessel. They have, uh, number two, they have an assignment in a 15-year contract, typically. And they have our strong balance sheet guaranteeing the deal. So 
I think we're definitely complementary to traditional banks. Now, James, you mentioned that, uh, that you like to talk with ship owners who might be on the bank's do not call list. Are those ship owners who may not fit within the traditional banking profile, or are you more interested in looking at ship owners who may have some liquidity issues or may be in need of restructuring? What's, what's sort of your aim on that? Um, I think we want to find a, a good ship owner that's historically been in the bank's good graces, but either due to size or age of assets or employment makeup has just made that cutoff. Uh, we view it as a credit arbitrage in the market. Okay. Okay. And Morton, uh, it sounds like Macquarie Bank has, has seen a wonderful opportunity with the funding gap. Um, do you see any other entrants into the, the shipping lending space uh, aiming directly for that funding gap, or is Macquarie unique in that? No, I, 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 well, I think there's, there's completely different models and money coming in. I think the differences between the four at the panel here is probably as, 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 as much as the similar, different as the similarities. Um, I, what I would say that where Macquarie's approach is going to be to think like the equity, so lend money in the sectors that you'd put your own equity. And today, the question earlier was, what's the most attractive segment to put mm -hmm. equity in shipping? Is it dry bulk or is it tankers? I think tankers is a very depressed sector uh, with a fundamental demand that's attractive and doing transactions in that sector today would make sense. Uh, new building only financing, as I've seen, heard, heard a little bit today, I think we have enough examples of public companies that have pursued new building only strategies that destroy capital. There's a place for it, but it has to be a mix. But do it where you put your own money. Does anyone else have any views on sectors that might be hot right now, or are you looking more for the character of the companies that you're investing in and not any particular share, uh, particular sector? Well, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're a little bit of a hybrid um, platform. I mean, we, we certainly need a fixed coupon element, and so <clears throat> we, we need cash flows. Um, uh, we're, we're not... Uh, we're not there to, to, to look at sort of distressed uh, situations that need a long, um, lengthy workout. We want right-way-facing uh, right new financings. Um, uh, and, and, you know, liquidity is really the, 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 one of the really fundamental issues that, that we look at. And that directs us into um, uh, particular sectors. Um, uh, we, are, we are not... Um, fixed on, on having long-term uh, charter uh, attached transactions um, <clears throat> and that then reflects our, our um, desire to participate in some of the upside so for sure in those sorts of situations we are looking um, with a, a bit of an equity hat on as to where the directional plays are. Um. Yeah, when it, comes to, when it comes to the sector we are, have a multi-segment strategy so uh, the sector is, or we're looking at all kinds of sectors, but uh, last, since December we've done $600 million in new transactions, and that's in uh, tankers and uh, dry bulk. So obviously we believe those sectors are interesting. We believe those that we see the new, buildings, new building prices picking up, asset values are bottoming out, and we think the timing is very good to continue to invest also in those sectors. But uh, for us, the... Uh, uh, it's like location is the keyword in real estate. 
for us is diversification. So we want to diversify as much as possible, become as robust towards changes in the uh, cyclicality, um, and makes us uh, gain even more cheaper funding so for us to be even more competitive to our clients again. So uh, we look at a wide range of sectors, but we have, of course, been most active in dry bulk and tankers in past uh, months. You know, if someone had told me a couple of years ago that dry bulk would be uh, one of the hot sectors right now, um, I would have thought that that was a wonderful joke, but it's, it's uh, really interesting to see how that market has turned around. Um, what about, what about non-performing loans or distressed borrowers? Um, is that something that anyone focuses on, or is that really something that, that, uh, that your companies are, are not as much interested in? Um, we, we approach it from the view that we're willing to work with an owner. If he has a non-performing loan with his bank, we are not going to try and buy the loan from the bank per se, but we're willing to give an owner a term sheet to buy back his loan. We'll look for an equity injection on the part of the owner to, to show his belief in, in the vessel and his strategy. But uh, we, we certainly want to come off as a, uh, as, as a friendly figure in the transaction, not, uh, not someone who's bottom fishing. I mean, I can, uh, having had experience in repossessing and managing a fleet of ships for a bank in an earlier job, banks are terrible owners of ships. Everybody screws them. Shipyards double the cost of the uh, dry dock. Brokers take advantage of them. Owners, banks should stay out of the stress business and leave that to, to specialists. There's plenty of opportunity to support good companies with good projects, and we'll stay there. So what about, what about our friends in the East? What, uh, how do you see Chinese leasing as uh, matching up with the products that you offer? Is it, again, in competition or complementary to the sorts of, fun of funding that your companies offer? Um, for us, we don't see them as competition at all. We're generally doing small ticket lending between five and $25 million. Uh, that's not going to even hit the radar of those guys. Similarly, we, we, uh, we, we are not competition for or in, in competition with the, uh, uh, the, the Chinese or the Japanese lessors. Um, look, I mean, th this, this is just another example of the, the way in which the market has fragmented, frankly, over the course of the last five, six years. We, we've all lived with, you know, the, uh, the, the buy side and the sell side fragmentation of this industry. What we're working through now is the fragmentation of the financing sources. Um, I, I don't think that the, that, that the mainstream um, commercial shipping banks are coming back in the kind of volumes that they were previously anytime soon. The regulators are going to make sure of that. Um, uh, and so there is a role here for you know, the varying risk appetites of the different uh, um, players that, that, that are involved both here today um, and uh, uh, on previous panels. Well, for us, I guess it's fair to say that the Chinese, we consider them as our most fiercest competitor. Um, they are sometimes very aggressive, take huge volumes, and, uh, but they can be very cyclical. They can be very aggressive in one sector, then, as we see it, holding back, which creates some opportunities for us. But there are some key differences between what they are offering and what we are offering. Uh, they, as we see it, offering a more standardized financing solution, but while we try to 
tailor-made the financing or lease to each individual client. Uh, so each deal that we do is different. Um, and I actually think that we, the two transactions that we've done recently was actually in because, or the first one was because our client uh, struggled to uh, close the deal with the Chinese in time, and then we came up and closed the transaction in one week with full documentation. Another deal that we did was also to take out Chinese financing. So I think we can be fairly competitive even in the competition with the Chinese. Okay. Um, well, thank you, Marius, for giving us an example of a recent transaction that you've done. Uh, and I think it'd be very useful if everyone could give sort of a, a generic description of a, a recent transaction. We're not asking you to disclose names or any confidential information. Uh, but I think it'd be very interesting for the people in this room to hear a little bit more in detail about maybe one of your recent transactions. Um, Nick, can we start with you? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, look, I mean, I, the, the, the deal that sort of springs to mind was sort of... Uh, um, goes back to what I was saying earlier about the potential value in some of the older vessels out there. Um, so we were able to move very, very quickly um, uh, on a transaction for assets that um, were uh, part of a uh, uh, part of a, uh, a business sale. Um, uh, so we transferred those vessels through the new management, um, uh, gave them an answer very, very quickly. We gave them a repayment profile that worked for them. Um, and uh, it's a bullet structure um, with, you know, effectively a scrap uh, um, assumption at the at the back end, um, and uh, you know it was a, a classic example of being able to be in the market where uh, other lenders um, w were not were not willing to look at perhaps either the asset class or the age of the vessels. Okay, Morton, can we go to you next? Yeah, as I said earlier, we don't have a black box, so uh, we've done everything as differently in the last uh, couple of weeks. We closed a transaction for four VLCCs over 15 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, we financed a fleet of seven post-Panamax bulk carriers for a, a combination of an owner and private equity. Uh, uh, we're lifting out an LR1 into an existing loan agreement as we speak, so things are, there's no black box, good deals, good people on conservative terms. I think for us, there always has to be a timing element involved. There has to be some sort of pressure as to why a deal has to happen. Uh, owners do not create business plans taking on debt at our cost of capital. Whether that is refinancing out a bank who has a balloon coming due and is no longer willing to extend it, whether that's a private equity partner who is exiting a joint venture with an owner and that owner wants to keep the vessels in their fleet and turns to us as a replacement uh, for that PE capital. Um, th those are sort of common instances. It's, this is not something that, that, that owners take lightly, uh, but when they do, uh, we were able to act quickly and decisively uh, so that they're able to keep their business running. So what's next? Uh, any predictions for new trends in alternative ship finance or new entrants into the field? Oh, I can start. Um, as we see it, uh, there's a trend with the banks. Banks are uh, holding back, getting more cautious. They're focusing more and more towards the larger companies. 
with more diversified uh, and stable earnings. Um, before small companies could perhaps raise financing uh, at higher, slightly higher cost than us, but and uh, perhaps even at the same levels. But now we're seeing even a matter of perhaps even if you're able to get financing or not. I think that's a trend that we we see, and um, perhaps I could drive consolidation towards uh, larger entities. I, I think that we'll see more of what's what's been happening over the course of the last three or four years. I think that we'll see more new entrants. Um, uh, there's a there's a lot of um, uh, liquidity out there looking for a home. Um, uh, the the, the non-bank lenders will play a bigger role um, in in this cycle. Uh, players like ourselves, who have strong industry backers, um, are not there to just flip these businesses um, in a sort of two, two three-year um, opportunity. We're there to, to, to run the cycle. Um, we'll respond and react to the, the, the way that the, that the market um, changes. One, one thing that is definitely having an impact on some of the structures that we're looking at right now, obviously, is the, uh, the, swap, the dollar swap curve. Um, for LIBOR-based lenders, um, the, the, the all-in cost of that funding is, uh, is obviously rising substantially right now. Um, and as a, fixed, uh, as a fixed coupon lender, that's kind of good for us. It's coming towards our market. But then when we're, when we're looking at, um, at, at leveraged sell leaseback transactions, then the value of that leverage in the overall part of the, uh, in the overall deal is, is somewhat diminished. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Um, but I think the fragmentation that, that I talked about earlier, you know, will continue. The, the financing will be there. Um, the, the, the cost and the shape of it will look different um, to what we've grown up with. I think we'll start to see a further tranching up of this debt. I think the cost of capital that most of us offer, possibly, uh, actually, maybe, let's say half of us on this panel offer is not sustainable in the long run. So I think what's that's going to require for this to be a sustainable business model is a, uh, a, a combination of the, the preceding panel and this one. The banks will take a super senior and we'll take a, uh, that additional risk that they don't want to take, whether that's 40 to 70, 50 to 80, and we'll start to, although I don't, don't want to throw around the word securitization, it is what springs to mind. Okay. Do you see any, uh, any pressure on, on rates of capital, uh, either upwards or downwards? Nick, you touched on that a little bit about some of the, some of the factors that you're seeing. Uh, is anyone seeing any other factors um, that are really causing an effect on, on the rates of return that you get or the rates that you lend out your capital at? I, I, I think Michael touched on it in the previous panel. I mean, the, reg the regulatory costs for the regulated lenders um, mm -hmm. it, it is, is pushing the price up. Um, uh, as, uh, as QE is rolled back, then we'll see um, uh, that will have an impact. Um, I think that puts the price up again. Um, I, honestly, I don't see many routes to the price diminishing anytime soon because the the new players that are coming into the market um, are uh, you know these are all risk adjusted players um, many of the many of the long money funds are somewhat constrained in what they can do in shipping because they need ratings um, this is an industry which is generally not rated um, and uh, that 
you know, again, has an impact on the price. And I think if you look at the, the cost of capital for, for similarly um, fragmented, similarly um, uh, uh, credit profile markets, um, what's happening in shipping right now is that it's coming back to, uh, to live with the, the, the similar asset classes and the cost of capital to those industries. The, uh, I, I think it's going to be schizophrenic. So one day you'll mm -hmm. see a non-investment grade tanker company running ships in the spot market get a 200 basis point loan from a group of European banks. Makes no sense in anybody's calculator. And the next day you'll see a competitor do a sale lease back with an 8% yield to maybe even somebody at this table. Um, I think two things are going to happen. The industry will get repriced and there will be less competition on margin. And the new entrants that are financing on 70, 80, or 90% lease basis to ships in the spot market will come to regret that at some point. Marius, do you have a response? <laughs> well, um, we're operating now for nearly six years, and I think, uh, I think we have proven that our business, that we're able to choose the right assets and uh, the right clients without having any big uh, defaults. So I think we're very, very confident with the most recent transactions, even to clients operating fairly in the spot market. <laughs> but what's a good thing about uh, particularly the tanker and uh, dry bulk assets is very liquid asset class. Uh, it's very easy for us to understand the asset value risk that we're taking. We're also, um, for some of these charters, for example, we did uh, four VLCCs uh, to a Greek company called Okeanis. Um, and uh, they have also a five-year sub-charter to a US-based company, which we have assignment to. So that all adds up and help improve the credit. And we also actively use seller's credit in order to, uh, to re reduce the asset value risk. Uh, and, and of course, when you're entering into these segments at what we believe is the, at or very close to the bottom of the cycle, that also helps. Okay. We've got about four minutes left on our panel, and although I'd like to monopolize their time, uh, I would also, I'm also mindful that others may have questions. So if anyone has a question, oh, and I believe we've got one here. Thank you. Just, I'm fairly new to the industry. I'm just wondering, as a senior secured lender, what protections you build into a credit agreement for when an owner does throw the keys back at you? And specifically, is it uh, do you have to go out and hire a new crew? What happens with the cargo that's on the ship that obviously uh, you know is, is a third party? So, any thoughts there, or if I'm if I'm missing something, by all means. Uh, the, uh, my first experience with an owner throwing uh, the keys at you was in 1984. It was five keys. Uh, the owner of the ship had told the crew ahead of time he was going to do this, so they stripped the ship. So there's probably about $2 million of spares, parts, and other essentials that left the ship. Um, uh, those deals were done at close to 80% financing back then, and they were spot ships, and it was a bad owner. So everything was wonderful. Uh, if you're doing 40 to 50 to 60% advance rates, you have an enormous equity buffer in, in the transaction. Uh, if you have a PE firm who's got a big investment to protect, uh, if you have collateral coverage clauses, 
I can assure you, you don't want to be in the situation where the owner gives you the keys. And I've even had one owner hide three ships in South America and withhold the knowledge of where they were until you paid that owner a certain amount of money. So you don't want to get there. It's a terrible business. <laughs> but that's that's the key risk to be taking. We're, we're taking basically counterpart risk because the receivable risk is very small when you're doing up to 15 years charter. Uh, so of course, we are a shipping company, and if that comes to that, then we're uh, then we're happy to take the keys back. But uh, that's the risk that we are taking. And then we just have to structure the deals correctly, and uh, then buy very modern assets, uh, so it makes it easier to recharge out vessels to somebody else. I think for us, the biggest thing is that that threat of repossession is real. Uh, banks have a tendency of drawing out whether or not to take that decision over an indefinite period of time. Uh, as Alterna, we control a, sh a fleet of 16 vessels. If we have to, the marginal cost of making that 17 is fairly low. I think it's, as, uh, as Morton mentioned a, a, a little while back, it, it, it's about thinking like equity um, and, and being prepared to act on the security that you've got. Uh, there's no point being a secured lender and having liquidity reserves um, if you're not going to use that to solve the problem. Don't use it to kick the can down the road. Um, uh, you know, if the market doesn't, uh, doesn't pan out in the way that, that we as lenders and, uh, and our borrowers anticipated at the beginning of the deal, then you know, we, have to, we have to think like a lessor. Um, sometimes we are the lessor and that's somehow a little easier place to be. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, it's about um, resolving and, and crystallizing issues um, before you become an out-of-the-money unsecured lender, because then you lose your shirt. And to throw in a pitch for lawyers everywhere, be sure to have your restructuring lawyer on speed <laughs> dial. So, uh, And that brings us down to our last 20 seconds. So thank you very much to all the members of our panel. Thanks again. Thanks for having me.